0: Hey everyone, happy Thursday. Thank you so much for joining us for another amazing Power to Fly Chat and Learn. My name is Meg, I'm part of Power to Fly's virtual hosting team and I am super excited to have you all join us for this amazing interview we're gonna have with Katie Hallam. Um, Before I introduce her to all of you, um, I just wanna go over a couple of quick housekeeping items. Um, If you've joined us on a previous chat, this will be very repetitive, I'm sorry, but we'll try and get through quickly. Um, So today's session, like all of our virtual events, is all about our audience. We want to make sure that you all get to participate and really drive today's conversation. So to that effect, you are more than welcome to turn your cameras on, like I said, share your faces with us. No need to be insta-perfect. You know, messy buns, furry coworkers, non-traditional workspaces, all of this is highly encouraged. Um, And we are so happy to have you join us today. Now, as I said, um, if you do wanna participate, you can do that in a couple different ways. You can come off mute to ask your question, but if you do that, you will show up on the live recording of today's session. Um, Either your camera or whatever you have, you know, avatar, uh, display name, whatever is up, that's what will show. Now, if you have any kind of privacy concerns, totally understandable. You can still participate. You're gonna put any questions or comments you have into the Zoom group chat. And you can also um, DM me directly in case you want to ask a question or raise a comment but want to remain anonymous for whatever reason doesn't matter i'm happy to do that for you um like i said this is being recorded so in about one to two business days so obviously probably next week sometime um everybody that registered for today's session will get an email with a link to where they can re-watch today's chat and learn now um if katie says something absolutely mind-blowing and you have to tell someone right away um, you can share this, uh, this video, usually within about five to 15 minutes at the end of the session. It'll appear on our YouTube channel because we're live streaming there. Um, so you can head over there, pick up the link and send it out wherever you like. Um, you can also keep up with us on our various social media channels. Like I said, we have a YouTube channel where we have, um, we have one dedicated that's all for our chat and learns. We have another one where we put um, other pieces of content, interviews, that kind of thing that we do. So definitely check those out. We are also at Powerfly on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So definitely check those, uh, those areas out as well. Um, we connect on those platforms. We share a lot of great content and blog posts, information, all kinds of stuff like that. So definitely take advantage of that. Um, like I said, if we, as we go through today's session, we've got a ton of questions that y'all submitted. Um, so that's really exciting. And we'll have a little bit more detail on that in just a moment. Now, I'd love to introduce you to our speaker for the day. Katie Hallam leads partner marketing at Helix. Um, As a member of Helix team for over four years, Katie has seen a lot of exciting change at this leading population genomics startup and continues to be inspired by the impact her team makes every day. Katie's career originated in fundraising for genomics, then launched into the world of global export. Global experiential sports marketing, uh, before circling back to healthcare, which combines her partnership experience with her mission to make a community impact. So, welcome, Katie. We're so happy to have you today.
1: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Excellent.
0: Is there anything you'd like to add to that bio before we um, we keep going?
1: Yeah, I think you nailed it. Thank you. Okay. Awesome.
0: <laughs> um, now, as a little, you know, as probably pretty obvious to most of you um today's session is being sponsored by helix and helix is hiring so they've been so kind just to lend us the amazing katie for the afternoon um and one thing i'm going to highlight for all of you i've got a link here that i'm putting into the chat thread this is a way this is um a link that's going to take you to helix's company page on power.com. hi so this is going to be um hold on here so sorry guys um so we are going to uh This is a place where you can go and check out information about Helix. Now you can check out their company info. You can look at, um, if you click on the events tab, it'll tell you um, what events they're participating in like today's Chat and Learn or our virtual job fairs, that kind of thing. But you can also see past events that they've partnered with us on, um, which is really kind of interesting. So if you are applying at Helix and want more information, that's a great place to go. Um, The other thing you can do here is you can click on open jobs. That will show you all of the roles that they have listed with us. I think currently there's 22 roles posted. Um, And one of the things that I would like to to highlight, especially if you are interested in in learning more about Helix or in pursuing um, uh, employment with Helix, but don't maybe see anything right now that would really suit your skill set or really like speaks to you. um, At the top of this company page, when you log in, you're gonna see a big pink follow button. Um, That's really important, especially if you are interested but don't see anything currently, or if maybe you're starting to look around, but you're not actively job searching yet. Um, Clicking that follow button is going to put you on Helix's follow network, and it does a couple great things for you. Basically, it works like your friend at the company. It's going to tell Helix that you're interested in working with them even before you fill out an application, so it helps you stand kind of head and shoulders above the crowd, but it's also going to tell you when Helix posts new roles. So, it's a really good way to stay informed on, their, on those roles um, without, uh, without you know, kind of missing out um, and feeling like you either have to spend all of your time checking job boards or you're gonna miss something. So, definitely um, take a look at that if you are at all interested in learning more about Helix, especially after we, uh, we hear from Katie today. Now, as we go into um, the questions for today, I wanna highlight a couple things. So the principal themes for the conversation, you're gonna see them here. We have crafted those based on conversations with Katie, um, talking about what she would like to talk about with us today, but also based on the questions that y'all submitted before today's session. Now we have some really, really great questions. I, we're gonna try and get through all of them. But one thing I wanna highlight for you all is that if you have additional questions or you want some more detail or more information as we go through today's questions, um, please feel free to, um, to volunteer those. I will say, instead of coming off mute, we prefer if you put them into the Zoom group chat. That way, if we've got anything that pertains to a question we're gonna ask later on, we don't get sidetracked because I really wanna make sure we cover um, a lot of the points today. But still, please feel free to submit questions um, and we will address them as we get through uh, today's uh, different subjects. So like it shows on the screen, the principal themes for today's conversation are going to be talking about what impact really means to you personally, helping to identify your transferable skills um, in relation to your passions, which can be a little bit hard as, you know, to do for yourself. We're going to show you how to look more objectively at it, um, as well as ways to identify your transferable, oh wait, I'm sorry, as well as uh, the path of continuous learning. So we'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, once you find what your passions are, how to keep growing in that field. Now, um, to get us started with the day's questions, um, this is one that I, I feel like is kind of the most nebulous, or it feels a little less concrete than some of the other questions. This person had wanted to know, what does impact mean to you? Now, obviously, this is going to be maybe a little bit different for every person. But Katie, um, what what comes to you when you think of impact?
1: Yeah, that's, um, well, first of all, thanks for having me again. Um, I think that's, a great question to kick us off because it is a big piece of what we're talking about today and and i think also now more than ever impact is kind of top of mind for people i think with covid and all this being home recently this past year has kind of made us reevaluate what am i doing with my life and how is that impacting my career and those around me um for me i'd say impact really has to do with making a positive difference, making positive progress, trying to think of, you know, leaving things a little bit better than you found them. And that doesn't always have to be, you know, moving, moving mountains every day can mean moving a little pebble in that direction. But um, I personally try to think of every day as an opportunity to make a personal and professional impact. So for example, I'd say professionally, you know, maybe one day I'm having a great meeting with some of our partners and trying to help enable them to use marketing channels to drive recruitment for population genomics project that, inevitably leads to life-saving learnings and research. Um, or maybe it's working through our COVID-19 testing and how we help get K-12 schools kind of back to normalcy. Or, you know, it could even be, um, you know, personally with with my, my little ones, you know, how do I teach my toddler to share so that she hopefully grows up to be a better big sister and, you know, community member. Um, but I mean, even, I think sometimes it could even be smaller things like, um, you know, just even acknowledging and appreciating people, like strangers in your life. It could be someone who maybe is more like invisible or, or underappreciated on a day-to-day basis, like a, someone who might deliver your mail or someone who, you know, could maybe be a little bit more unseen and, and just acknowledging them. I think I've heard in the past that, you know, just having that touch point with someone can make them feel seen and impact their day. So there's all different ways to think about how you make an impact. Um, And I just think some days are more of a personal impact, some days are more of a professional impact, but finding that balance, at least for me, is is what drives me.
0: Yeah, and I think, I love how you touched on that, like, you know, impact can mean so many different things because to my mind, like part of the big deal with parenting is like, you're raising a, a human, you're gonna send that person out into the world, you want them to make, you know, at least not do harm. You know, you want them to be a good person. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's making an impact to, to one person might be, you know, they're not happy unless they're curing world hunger, but other people, you know, it might, it might just be that that's your impact on the world is, is raising somebody who's going to make a difference. Who's going to be that, that good person or that great influence, even if it's just in their own personal circle. Um, I mean, personally, I'm of this, of the same opinion. Like I don't really want to like Cure cancer or something. I want it to be cured, but I just know that I'm not the person to do it. So yeah, I, I love the idea of um, you know, kind of identifying what impact you want to make in your life. You know, knowing that that impact is going to make a different. You know, it's going to be a different definition for everyone. I love that. Um, okay, so this next person's question had asked about um, the passions. So this person wanted to know how can we identify your passions. They want to know how you found yours. And how you can help develop it into a full-time job? So obviously these are kind of two different questions. So let's work on the identifying our passions bit first, because personally it took me like 32 years to figure out where my passions actually were. And that was with a lot of trial and error and a lot of like, this is my passion. And then I realized, no, it's, that's actually not.
1: So yeah. how did this work for you? Yeah, it's, it's actually a really good point because for me, I, I had a mentor that kind of helped me work through this and I was worried that I was over 30 and it was too late to switch career paths or too late to to follow a passion that I hadn't quite tapped into yet. So um, what I did with my mentors, we kind of rattled through my passion. So in my case, it was you know, I love sports and I was working in sports, but then I, I kind of got burned out on sports and realized that my passion didn't have to be my career in that sense. Um, and then it was like, well, I I love wordplay. I love puns. And if, if I could take over Hallmark and all their punny cards, that'd be great. But then I realized that maybe that should just be a personal habit and something that kind of bleeds into my work, but doesn't need to be my career. Um, and then I was thinking, you know, I love travel. Maybe I can Get into the travel industry. But then I was trying to balance that with also wanting to have a family and how can I be present and find that balance? And then, you know, the family piece was like, well, that's a passion, but how do I, how do I make sure I don't have a career that completely takes that opportunity off the table for me? Because it was a priority for me. Um And then I kind of focused in on, okay, well, I I really like helping others. And specifically, I really liked working with the elderly, which is kind of random, but um, I loved volunteering for Meals on Wheels and Little Brothers, Friends of the Elderly. And it was a passion of mine, but I realized that that wasn't really a career. That was just more something I really enjoyed doing in my spare time. And then I was kind of like, okay, well, community impact. There's something about, all of us have something in common, which is that you know, we're all growing older, hopefully, you know, we're all we're all aging, it's just a good thing. Um, and we're all unfortunately impacted by some sort of disease or you know, people in our lives passing or getting sick. Um, and that that was a big fear for me, you know. A secret fear was losing my loved ones. And so, how could I kind of take the opposite of my fear, inverse it so that I turn it into a passion? So really. keeping the people I love healthy and living longer lives. Is there a career there? Is there something that I could do to, to add to that as a passion and a career? And my mentor had heard of Helix and I had this opportunity to work with partners, enabling them to help people live healthier lives through DNA learnings. And it just, it was like kind of a moth of flame. Like it just triggered something in me saying, I need to be part of this how can I fi- figure out my transferable skills, you know, and really thinking of my partnership skills. And I ended up finding a great boss at Helix who frankly just took a chance on me um, and saw my passion and believed in my passion and realized that I could, I could kind of learn the rest um, and, and really left it up to me to prove myself. And four years later, I'm still here.
0: <laughs> I love that. Thank you for sharing that, that kind of journey with us. Cause I feel like it's one of those things that you feel, you feel like your passion should be easy to identify because it's the thing you care about most, but we all have so many things in our lives that we care about. And some of them are things we care about because we just want to, but others are things we care about because you know, we have to, or because it benefits us in another way. So yeah, I think that's, that's a really great way to you know, think about all the things that you like to do or that, that are important to you and then find that common thread throughout. Um, that's absolutely wonderful, I love it. Um, I, I wanna share it or open it up to the group as well. If you think that you have a passion or if you have identified even a couple different ones that you think are, are your main like, passions in life, please share it with us, put them in the, in the Zoom chat. I'd love to see what everyone else's um, are. Like I said, it took me till I was 32 or 33 to find my passion. Um, and it turns out it is uh, you know, advancing the cause of feminism and equality all over the world. So absolutely, um, it's it's never too late to try and identify what your passion is. Um, all right. So to address the second half of that question, this person wanted to know how to really develop it into a full time job. Because obviously, you know, if if your passion is you know, making crafts and things, you can go and sell them on Etsy. If your passion is, you know, recording music, you can try and make an album to sell that. But what what do you do when your passion, like you said, is is to have community impact and help in like the health and lives of people around you? How did you really go about um, trying to figure out how to make that uh,
1: really a theme in your life or a full-time job? Yeah, I think it was kind of towards the end of what I was saying is they when I really boiled it down, I threw out these kind of fun things that I was excited about, but when I really boiled it down to what could be realistic, I, I one had a mentor who, who was thinking through those opportunities with me, someone who had kind of been through it before and could help me see more clearly, but two, um, just, looking out there and and doing my research and seeing, looking into companies that I respected, looking at job opportunities that might be open in the areas with the themes that I was looking for, Um, you know, in community health, you know, obviously a DNA startup. Um, So I think for me, it was really first kind of honing in on what that focus was and then talking to people. um, I think the power of a a network is incredibly important. So you never know when people are gonna hear of job opportunities um, and kind of connect the dots for you but also doing your own legwork and looking into companies that you respect that might have a similar mission to your passion.
0: Yeah, I love that idea of looking at the company missions um, because it can also really give you a good idea about what that company thinks is important. Um, and even looking into seeing what, you know, what they're doing for, you know, community outreach or ways they're giving back. Um, if you look further into it, it's a really good way to see what companies are kind of just paying lip service. Like it's a, it's a box they take once a year versus what companies are really making it, you know a large part of their everyday work of, you know the, the, the grind that they go through every single day. Is this something that they're keeping in mind? Um, That's great. I'm looking over the questions or the, uh, sorry, the passions that people are sharing in the thread and they're just lovely. Um, Joan is talking about how she loves sewing as a hobby, but her passions are human resources and health and wellness. Um, Katie said that hers are event planning and trying to make events more sustainable, which having some experience in the event planning industry, Katie, you are right, you're you're right on the money. Um, It's one of those things that people don't really think of as being a wasteful industry, but it totally is. Uh, Sorry, Sri Devi is also talking about um, sharing Katie's view of uh, caring for loved ones and how that moved them into looking for opportunities in the health space. So that's absolutely wonderful. Um, Okay, so when we're talking about finding our passion, once you know what you're passionate about, how do you turn that into impact? Because it can be perfectly fine to be passionate about something, but if you're not turning that outward, then probably you're not having any impact on anything other than yourself, which might be where your goals lie. But, you know, how can you kind of see a way to turn this from a personal thing into something that benefits people other than yourself?
1: Yeah. So when I got a heads up on that question and I was trying to think through, you know, what the process was for, for me personally, and I, I didn't want to miss any things with my mom brain, I made it a few notes, but um, mom brain is real. Um, so I think that what I mentioned is is really a first step for me personally was, was finding a mentor. So someone who believes in you, who you respect, who you trust, who's kind of been there, done that, gotten the t-shirt and can h- kind of like help you think through clearly what might seem kind of foggy to you. Um, and then recognizing your passion. So what is it that you love? What interests you, what inspires you? Um, and then brainstorming opportunities to be impactful towards those passions. So, you know, do you need to spend your personal and professional time on that passion? Like myself with the elderly, I think you mentioned someone with, with sewing. Um, and then are, are there companies out there that you admire? We, we just touched on that. Um, you know, do they focus on an area that you're passionate about? Do they have job opportunities? um, how to hone in on your relatable and transferable skills. So, um, I never worked at a genetic startup before. Um, I'd done fundraising for medical genetics and I had a lot of partnership experience, but, you know, the rest, I kind of chalked up to a challenge and an opportunity to grow and, you know, a challenge that I was up for. Um, I think it's important to find people to take a chance on you. And this goes with that network, um, the power of relationships and looking for those connections, but also, you kind of have to sell yourself. You have to believe in yourself. You have to take a chance on yourself so that other people can appreciate that boldness and that passion and they kind of see it come through. Um, and then you have to prove your worth, right? So (laughs) once, once you're there, um, if it's out of your comfort zone, you may be overwhelmed at first. I, I certainly was in, in certain job opportunities, but I think if you stay focused on, why you initially wanted that job and why they wanted you, then you can earn your your stripes and kind of prove yourself that way. Um, And then for me, it's been really important to pay it forward. Um, You know, when you see someone else who's in your shoes or going through a similar experience to you, I've been so fortunate to have so many mentors in my life and, you know, really just take a village, I believe um so if you can give back if you can be that mentor to someone if you can take you know 30 minutes to have a coffee with someone or, or an informational interview or you know provide a referral or a recommendation and, and pay it forward i think it's a really really small world so you don't want to ever burn a bridge and just making those those connections are so important. Um, and then lastly I'd say you just got to keep learning. You know it's it's in my opinion when, when you're done learning, you're kind of done growing. <laughs> it's actually my, uh, my father-in-law always says that every day is a school day. And I think he relates it more to marriage, which is another story, but I think you can, you can apply it to life, right? Every day you should truly be learning and, and challenging yourself and, and always finding a job that, that pushes you that extra mile. Um, cause otherwise you're just, fish outgrowing, you know, your, your little bowl. Um, but you know, as, as I sit here, I'll, I'll admit that I'm still totally learning every day and I'm, you know, sharing some of my story while I'm still writing it. So I'm, I'm by no means an expert in all of this, but I'm hoping that even just sharing my experience and my story will help others as they navigate maybe similar waters.
0: No, that's lovely. I want to th- say thank you for sharing that. Cause it's, um, it's one of those things that can be really difficult, right? To try and figure out how to turn that outwards. Um, It's, it's a challenge for everyone. And I'm loving what I'm seeing in the, in the chat thread, because there's people that are talking about, um, you know, ways that what, how they're, they're thinking about taking their passions and turning them outward. So that's, that's awesome. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the emotional blockage to getting started. Did you experience this at all when you started working on, you know, Finding a way to make your passion more a part of your daily um, and professional
1: life. Totally, I think emotional blockage is—it's something that I I still struggle with confidence sometimes. Openly, I mean, I it, maybe it could be a gender-related thing. I know there's there's a piece of that that uh, you know I, I'm sure it sounds like you you've studied as well focused on, but um, you know, even as I was asked to to speak today, I was kind of like, are you sure you want to hear from me? <laughs> you know, there's this this kind of self-deprecation of, you know, well, am I good enough? You know, it goes through your head sometimes. And I think I've, I've had to really focus on accepting that a lot of my strongest skills are are soft skills, which makes me sometimes have self-doubt, but a really great boss of mine, you know, really once taught me that certain things can't be taught, but the rest are all learnable, learnable if you have the right attitude. So it's, you know, you have to realize that there are skills that a lot of people have that are soft skills. And then the rest, if they have the excitement and the appetite to learn can be learned. And so it's really, it sounds cheesy, but it it is really about believing in yourself because it's more contagious than you realize. And then, you know, that's, that's kind of the thing about following your passions is you shouldn't have to fake it if it's a passion.
0: You know, I absolutely that's a really great point point. and I, I swear every time we're on one of these calls um I always come away with at least one thing that's like oh my god how did I not think of this and you're <laughs> right like if it's something that you are truly passionate about it's basically never a slog it's it's you might get stuck in you know trying like a specific step or something but you still maintain that passion um what comes to mind for me is that you know at, I worked at a lot of different jobs I've worked in a ton of different industries And coming to Power to Fly was the first time that my my real, like, zeal for equality was absolutely recognized as something that's very, very worthwhile, and it's a central mission of the company. And so that was one of those things that when I was in it and and at different companies and didn't really have people around me that shared that passion, it was really easy for me to feel like, well... you know, it's important to me, but that doesn't make it important to anyone else. Or maybe there's not really a path for me to pursue this here. And granted, you know, working at a company that has the the same passion as I do, and it's central, it's their mission statement, is really great. But I also understand that that's a very resourced position to be in. And I, I know how valuable it is because I spent so many years at companies where it wasn't. And not even, some places where it wasn't even just, you know, it wasn't supported necessarily. There are places that were actively like, "This is this isn't something we're we're big on. We need to deal in other matters." Um, so I think that's really a great way to think of it, right? You know, you might not be surrounded by people that are super in favor of whatever your passion is, but just because they don't they don't you know it's not their passion, they don't share it, doesn't make it not worthwhile. It doesn't mean that it's it's not um, you know something worth exploring for yourself. Um, all right, let's talk about, you know, like, so we've talked about a lot, you know, what to do to kind of get along this pathway, but what do you do if, if you don't really feel fulfilled in the work that you're doing? If whatever you're, you're working at is more along the lines of like, you know, producing widgets or marketing those widgets or whatever, and it's not really mission driven. Um, this person that wrote in said, I can't really change jobs now, but I would love to contribute to a bigger cause. So what would you say to this person?
1: So first of all, I I actually really love this question mainly because I think it's it's important for us to zoom back and realize that every job technically helps someone, right? So if you take on that mindset, I think it's easier to digest. So, you know, you could think of like... know someone working at a gas station is helping people get to where they need to go or someone who's delivering food is feeding families or you know a bank teller is helping people pay their bills or save um so i think you know with that mindset kind of what you were talking about meg earlier like just because your day-to-day job may not be curing cancer or you know solving homelessness it doesn't mean that your work isn't impactful um, so I think it's, it's like, it's important to take a breath there for people who are putting too much pressure on themselves to feel like they need to cure cancer every day, because if we were all curing cancer, there would be a lot of other gaps <laughs> in the world. Um, so I think kind of half of the battle or the majority of the battle is, is really that perspective and, and trying to find impact in what you're already doing that, that I think is, is an important first step, um. Secondly, you know, there, there might be opportunities, sort of alternative opportunities within your organization or community, um, you know, thinking of like HR opportunities or, or like Helix, for example, has a really dedicated DEI committee that does incredible work celebrating diversity and, and kind of bringing awareness to discussion opportunities from everything from like societal challenges to cultural holidays and educational inclusion. Um, so just a really amazing organization within our organization. Um, so your company might have something like that or, or even volunteer opportunities. I know Helix did, um, uh, it was like a, what am I trying to say? It was a local food bank, um, where we, you know, helped put canned food together for an afternoon with our team. And it was, it it was impactful, but also was team building, kind of a, a twofer. Um, and then, you know, lastly, you could always consider that maybe you're trying to force your passion into your work bubble, and maybe they do need to be separate. You know, like my example with working with elderly, I think, you know, sometimes you you do something and you're trying to force an impact in there when really your true passion needs to be outside of those working hours. And, and I think that's okay, as long as you find that balance. Um, and then maybe some companies even offer time off to pursue those passions. So it's, it's definitely something worth worth looking into.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it actually reminds me of um, a, a conversation I had, I'm guessing it was a couple months ago, Um, with people that were trying to like gain experience, um, especially in like, I think it was like development or coding or something. And one of the things that was suggested was to look around for groups in your area that might need that kind of support um, on a volunteer basis. And that way you could not, you could also, you know, hone the skills that you're working on developing while helping out with a cause that you, you support. And I think you're right. I think that's a really great way to look at it because if you are able to use kind of your, some of your downtime or your personal time to um, explore those passions of yours and really, you know, develop them. It's a great way to not only, you know, uh, kind of satisfy that need within yourself, but also get your feet wet in what, what um, opportunities and needs are out there. So that way, if your company doesn't really have, you know, like a day of giving that they do or something like that, that would be a great point to raise. Um, I see we I were having a bunch of really great comments in the chat. Um, Susanna was saying that soft skills like personality, attitude, motivation, manners, adaptability, um, are so, so, so important. Uh, she also says that Katie has the best soft skills. Uh, okay,
1: Susanna.
0: Like, <laughs> and that like, mom brain is absolutely real. So absolutely, <laughs> like I, I don't know it from experience, but I've been around enough moms to know it absolutely is. Um, so that's great. <laughs> So all right, let's talk a little bit more about setting boundaries while working in a mission-driven company. Now I feel this one hard because a lot of the times, you know, like other times when I've worked places, I've been passionate because you know this is what keeps the lights on or this is you know my job and I really want to make sure I'm doing a good a good um, a good job at it. But I also had a very difficult time kind of turning off um, from you know, becoming so immersed in work, because it feels great, right, especially when you're working for a Mission driven company, it's really awesome to feel like you're constantly helping, but then it also makes it hard to shut down and turn off, and I think a lot of people are experiencing this due to COVID, when, you know, your work and your home are in the same place, and you're feeling the push to keep working and keep pushing, because you think you're, you know, because you're working towards this really great impact for other people, so let's talk a little bit about that boundary setting.
1: Yeah, I actually really love this question because I think, like you said, a lot of people can relate to it. Um, And I think the, the key here too is that no matter what you're doing, it's important to establish boundaries. So it doesn't matter if it's quote unquote mission driven or not. And if you're stereotypically you know, helping others again in that super stereotypical mission-driven company, the curing cancer type. Um, it doesn't mean that you're selfish if you're also helping yourself and your family and finding that balance. Um, you know, I think our lives should should technically come first because otherwise, that our work suffers. So that there truly is a benefit in having that work-life balance. Um, personally, I will admit that I, I used to be a massive overachiever. <laughs> I think I always thought that I had to go the extra mile to, to prove myself, whether that be, you know, being the last one in the office or the first one to respond or the person that really had to produce more and more and more. Um, and then, honestly, after I had my first daughter, I realized that most of that overachieving was really me kind of trying to overcompensate and, and trying to prove that I was working hard instead of letting my work speak for itself. Um, so. I was actually really nervous when I came back from maternity leave from my first daughter. And I thought, oh gosh, I'm gonna have all these people judge me for setting these boundaries. But it was kind of a reality check when, as soon as I established those boundaries, like nobody cared, nobody questioned it. So I had this fear internally that everyone was gonna judge me. And it just seemed like people were like, okay, as long as you get your work done, we respect it. And, you know, I think I've also, I have to say I've been super, super lucky with having amazing bosses and teamwork teammates that you know, some have had families, some haven't. So it's not just about that, um, but they've always made me feel really comfortable and supported. Um, Helix was amazing through both of my daughters, um, and actually my most recent daughter, um, who's nine months old, came five and a half weeks early. She was a preemie with hip dysplasia during a pandemic. And I couldn't have asked for a more supportive team um, and company to kind of help me navigate getting back on my feet and getting back into work in a world that was like constantly changing and crazy because of COVID. Um, So I I guess I would just say, one, I've been very lucky. And two, it's so important to command realistic boundaries and, and try not to apologize for them.
0: Yeah, I love the point about trying not to apologize for them, because I think that's definitely something that probably women more so than men, but are very, you know, we're expected to kind of be everything to everyone in a lot of ways. And even if you don't personally have that, like that type A drive that you, you absolutely have to, you know, be the best or do everything that you can, um, it's. It's really hard to try and set those boundaries and feel confident about it. Because for most of us, I feel like a lot of us have not really ever seen this modeled very well for, for someone, especially since, um, you know, a lot of times you don't see the first time someone sets those boundaries. You're not there to see, you just are, you come in after the fact when those boundaries are already set and they don't feel, you know, they don't feel like something someone created, they feel organic. Like they've just always sort of been there. Um, and I feel this hard um, because I also had the, the same, I had a similar experience where I was deriving a lot of my self-worth from helping, helping really um, push forward on the cause of equality at work and gender parity in the workforce and really felt like that was the way I was going to make an impact. Um, especially last summer, I did what I could protest-wise and voted and tried to get the word out, but it feels like there's only so much you can do with one person. Um, so I, I love that idea of setting the firm boundaries. And I think it's great that you had that support. Um, and it's really important if you feel you are comfortable setting those boundaries to set them because you don't know who else is going to see that and realize like, oh yeah, I could set better boundaries too. Um, cause you're right. Having that, that support of a company that really understands what you're going through and doesn't fight you on those boundaries. That's awesome. And it's great. And you're right. A lot of us are very lucky to have that, but it should be something that more people have. And so if we if we stop looking at it as not necessarily stop looking at it as us being lucky. Yeah. But if we work on setting those boundaries, as, as much as we feel comfortable doing and, and showing other people what that looks like, and more people feel comfortable setting those boundaries, and it becomes more of a norm as opposed to this like, shining like beacon of you might get so lucky someday. So I absolutely love that. And congratulations on adding to your family in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> I, I can't imagine how how intense that must have been.
1: So oh, thank you, we're crazy. We're crazy all the time, but you know.
0: Yeah, so, we're all nice. nice. Okay. <laughs> so this next question deals with living in a small town where there aren't really a lot of opportunities to help pursue your passion. Um, and I find like that this is a really interesting question because even if you weren't living in a small town pre-COVID, a lot of us feel like we're kind of in a town of you know our family members. Because of the quarantine and because of those restrictions. So how how would you address this question from this person that feels physically isolated or or you know, practically speaking, is kind of isolated from opportunities to pursue their passion?
1: Yeah, I think you know, we touched on it with having that perspective of, of really zooming out and looking at the impact that you are making in your current role or trying to f- find opportunities that have impact around you. Um, but I would just to add to that, I would just say that in a, in a kind of post-COVID world, even though we're still in the COVID world, um, the way COVID has impacted our society that I've seen is that there is a lot more remote working. So if you have a job that you think is your dream job and you want to go for it, and it's in a different town, city, state, um, even maybe country, um, you know, I think there's more opportunity now because people have proven that they can work remotely. Um, So it it broadens the the pool of of opportunity. And I think a lot of companies are excited about this too, if they believe in remote working, um, that they can tap into a larger talent pool. So I think there is a case to be made now that maybe was a discriminating factor in the past that you can do just as good of a job remotely as you could if you were coming into the office all the time. Obviously, there's that Kind of missing piece of having that one to one contact, but um, I say now more than ever, go for it. Um, it's kind of that like, what's the saying? If you if you shoot for the moon, you could still end up in the stars. You know, it's like try it and 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 go for those opportunities that you might feel are out of your reach because you're in a small town. Because now more than ever, I think they're a lot more accessible.
0: No, I think that's completely right. You know. The as much headache as the internet has brought us in, you know, especially in recent years, um, it's also a great way to really connect yourself to the outside world as well as as being able to reach places that you might physically have never known that they this is somebody that had a need that you could help fill. Um, so that's absolutely wonderful, and I love the idea of you know kind of exploring that because because of COVID, there are many more people that are turning to um, you know that that internet area um to fill their needs as opposed to just looking around them so yeah that's so great Um, okay so we talked a little bit about um what it feels like to be you know in one of those resource positions where you're getting all of this from one company Um, but this person had talked about how they had decided to pursue a job that they were passionate about, and have gone to a couple of interviews, but haven't heard back from any of the companies that would really suit their their mission and their principles. This person wants to know how do I find the balance between being too picky and settling in my job search. Um, and I feel like this is the thing that that a lot of people worry about—not necessarily just involving your passions, but finding that unicorn job that's going to you know be cool, be a great fit for you as well as for the company and just have all of the you know kind of all the stars line up it can feel really hard and can feel like maybe you should settle um so how would you address this this like kind of dichotomy idea of either you're settling or you're being too picky
1: yeah so i, I think it's um well first of all i i could sit here and tell everyone to pursue their dreams, but there there, truthfully is no silver bullet that can enable everyone to get their dream jobs. I wish there were. Um, Truthfully, I I think what you touched on Megan in the beginning was that there is a lot of trial and error and there were jobs that I didn't love or aspects of jobs that I loved that I didn't like. Um, And I think when I found those things that made me realize I didn't really like doing them, it helped me realize what I, what I do like and what my strengths and weaknesses are. And I think that comes with age and experience too. Um, again, I'm still learning, but, um, I think there are times in life where we can be picky and other times where you just have to take a job to, to stay afloat and that's totally okay, but try to use the latter as, As really an opportunity to learn what what you don't like and kind of like dating, you know (laughs) dating married now, but you know dating around originally you kind of thought okay well I like this about this person but I don't like this about this person and you kind of figured that out in your next relationship. Um, So I think you know it's it's important to also keep the perspective of it's it's really rare to meet someone who said that they landed their dream job from the start right? It's usually when you're, when you're on panels with people, they're usually a little bit more experienced. And they say, I finally made it to my dream job after all this trial and error and this kind of rocky road to get here where, where I used opportunities as learning experiences. So I would say, try not to think of wherever you are as settling, you know, if you need that job now, you need that job now, we should all be it's easier said than done, but we should all be grateful for work right now, especially with COVID and what's happening in the world, but um, try to find a positive in that experience. Um, And then I I think to touch on not hearing back, um, and this is a common experience um, for a lot of people, but I would say feel free to reach out to the recruiter for for feedback. So um, that's something that there's a respectful way to do it without seeming confrontational. And I think that you could use that to make yourself stronger, um, in, in your next interview or your next pursuit of a, of an opportunity. But I think sometimes it also helps, you know, when we, when we take things personally, if we don't hear back or we we feel rejected, um, I think there's sometimes an answer that can, you know, make you feel a little bit better. Like maybe the company's just further along with another, um, potential candidate or maybe there's a specific skill set that they were looking for that you just didn't have and then hearing that can make you say okay well it's not going to take me long to learn that skill set maybe I'll work on that and then I can take it into my next opportunity so i always feel like it's it can't hurt to ask and a lot of times um you know, people are willing to give you that feedback so that it can make you stronger. And and maybe for a future opportunity within that company, you know, you, again, you don't want to burn a bridge. So you can always say, Hey, I'm really interested in this company. I understand that it wasn't a fit for this particular role, but please keep me in mind because as I see opportunities, I'd still love to try to pursue a career with you guys. Yes, that's so true.
0: And it's. definitely it's something that we we usually encourage people to do and I will tell you there are a lot of companies that won't respond to it which sucks but the the companies that do that gives you a really great I like a great um, kind of insight into what their company culture is like um, so it's a really good thing to look for and something I, I want to highlight because we we hear this a lot on these chats um, where people talk about kind of having a like a priorities list basically of like the things that they would love to find in a company. Um, And one of the things you can do is if you get, you know, if you get that whole like kind of checklist of these are the things I would like my perfect job to have. And then you can kind of, you know, run through and maybe prioritize them within, or, you know, give them different weight, give the, you know, different items, different weights. Maybe what you find is that if you can't find a job doing what you're passionate about, maybe the, the best fit for you is a company or a job that allows you the, the freedom to you know, kind of leave work at work and then pursue your passion on the side. Um, maybe it's a, a point where you get uh, you know, enough flexibility in your work, even if the pay is not great, you get other, you, know, you can work in other perks or other benefits that would enable you to, be, to better pursue your passions. Um, so that's really great. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit. You talked um, previously about having um, a mentor that or that helped kind of like lead you through your career and help, um, you know, brainstorm you were trying to find ways to pursue your passion. Can you talk a little bit about how you sought out or cultivated these relationships? And one thing I want to highlight because we did have a lot of people that asked follow up questions to this in the chat thread. Um, I'm going to share it again, but. Our our chat and learn, um, all of our our video archives are available on our website. So if you are interested in panels on mentorship or in Power to Fly's mentorship program, definitely check out these um, these, uh, uh, searches um, and you can use other terms as well to search our video archives, but we've got some really great chats on how to seek out mentors and, and develop that relationship. So sorry, Katie, for you, what was this experience like?
1: You know, for me, it started, I'd say earlier on in my career, um, there was a a young leadership forum that my previous boss started with um, the LA Sports and Entertainment Commission and really just trying to bring together people who are starting off their careers. And it was mostly women um, to try to help them, again, navigate waters and questions and and share resources and say, you know, I'm applying to this. Have you heard about this job opportunity and really just have um, a community um, and then I, I also joined at one point Women in Sports and Events. It's, it was a Wise called Wise um, organization in San Francisco. Again, just an opportunity to be around um, both women who were more mature in their careers that could share their story and um, you know open up their contacts for opportunities, but also listen and provide advice. As well as as peers who were in my boat, just trying to figure out what do I want to do, where do I want to go next, um, and and kind of have a safe space for those forums. So um, I would say, you know, for me at the time, I, I looked in the realm that I was in for those types of organizations. But depending on your passion, depending on your industry that you're pursuing, there's probably some form of of community or group like that that. Um, you know, it offers a safe space for you to be able to talk to not only your peers, but um, people that could become your mentors. And, and from that experience, I did draw um, a handful of women who became my mentors, who um, really had had success in the industry that I was working towards. And you know, we would go for coffees again. They would—that's the pay it forward, right? They would take time out of their very busy schedules to sit with you know little old me, <laughs> who wasn't doing anything for them, um, to just listen to where i was and, and help me try to figure out where i wanted to go next and i think there's that piece of there's kind of impact and altruism where i think it's innately selfish right because it makes us feel good so we all benefit from it because if you if you give back to someone you're you're helping them but you're also kind of helping yourself because you feel good from that and i think that is a piece of making an impact through my career that i appreciate is that i don't just feel like i'm going to work you know, nine to five or whatever it may be to, to go through the grind. I'm also getting that selfish satisfaction of feeling like I'm making an impact.
0: I love that. Um, okay. So as we, I know we only have about 10 minutes left in today's session, because these always go so quickly. (laughs) Um, let's talk a little bit about, if you're, if you found maybe that job that you think would be a great fit for your passions, but you don't necessarily have the background required, or that you think is required for this dream job. Um, what do you recommend that person do? Is it as simple as like including an explanation in your cover letter, or is there something else? You know, like a different or um, a different way to pursue this?
1: Yeah, I think. If you can, it, it really depends on, on the job in the organization, right? Because um, you kind of, going back to that feedback point, if it's a large organization, it's really hard for them to be expected to, to respond to everybody asking for feedback. So if you're applying, if you're one of many, many applicants, it's sometimes hard to stand out. So if you can try to find a way in your cover, cover letter to make yourself stand out, um, show them that you are truly the best fit for the role, um, but also keeping it short and sweet because They're probably not going to have time to dive into this long, long story. Um, But I think that involves doing your research, right? And trying to identify unique opportunities where your skill set can help solve their needs. And maybe that's anticipating their needs, maybe something that's not even in the job description. You take it that extra mile and say, you know, here's the job description. But I also notice this on your website. And I'm wondering if you thought about this opportunity and I could, I could bring some experience here. I could help you with that. Um, so I think there's this kind of mixture of passion and relatable ability that's important. Um, but I also will say from, you know, trying to stand out in a sea of applicants, it does also go back to the, the amazing push for relationship building and having a referral is always, a strong, um, a strong guide because if, if I'm someone reading through hundreds and hundreds of applications, but someone comes to me and says, this person I worked with and they're wonderful, that helps. Um, it is a little bit of a bias game, though, right? Because if you don't know someone there, you don't want to be last on the list. So I think it, it really does depend. But if you can put that extra cherry on top of having a contact there, um, that can only strengthen your your likelihood. But in general, I'd say just trying to really go the extra mile of thinking, how can I stand out in this role? How can I provide? Benefit or impact that other people may not be thinking of, or maybe it's you know above and beyond what's being asked of in the job description.
0: I think that's great advice. Um, I always love the the notion that you can use that um, that cover letter. You know, your your application is um, you know obviously kind of taken in an, like a whole pack. But what I like to say is that your um, you know your your LinkedIn profile or your power to fly profile, whatever your professional profile is, that's sort of the uh the teaser for for your, you know, for you as a as an employee. And then your um your application and your cover letter are like the trailer. It's it's more, you know, kind of flushes out your story a little bit more and still leaves enough, you know, tells the person enough information that they want to know more so that they'll come in and ask you for an interview. Um, so I think that's a great idea to use that cover letter as a place to stand out. Um, all right, we have about seven minutes left. I saw we did have people that wanted to ask questions earlier in chat. So if you would like to ask a question now, um, please feel free to uh, either raise your hand, drop me a note in the in the zoom chat. I'm happy to, to call on people. Um, we did have one last question that was pre submitted that we could ask. But again, I want to hold that space for anybody that would like to ask a question before time runs out. Um, I don't see anybody so far. No, all right, so we'll go on with one more question, but please, if you have a question you'd like to ask Katie, please feel free to, uh, to throw it out to us. Um, this person says, I went from a job. Oh, there we go. Susan, would you like to come off mute and ask your question? Oh, I'm waiting for Susan here. Hold on guys. All right, Susan, if you are able to unmute,
2: then you can ask your question. There
0: we go, yeah.
2: Yes. Hi. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm on um, off the screen because I'm in a, a, on a mask. My question no is to ask, how, how difficult to get into HR? Because I am in the HR side in a healthy care, but I'm trying to lead over to the talent acquisition. What I get referred, but then it turns out the interview didn't go well because they chose another candidate. By the way, so how could I approach a better way to do that?
1: Susan, you understand my question. Were you asking what's the best way to get involved in HR? Yeah, it- I
2: am on the HR side. I'm in an, um. I'm in a help. I'm in the HR administration side, but I'm gonna change to another role instead of being on the health side i'm trying to move out to the private sector side so how could i approach i get referrals but how could i i get a lot of connection on linkedin but then i'm trying to build a networking and and to connect me into the private sector
1: Yeah, I think in general it sounds like the question is is about pivoting, right, and and changing the career path you're on. Um, I can't personally speak for shifting specifically um, in the the HR world, but I I can say that um, you know it is. There's a a few ways to look at it, right? So you could look, depending on how much you like your current company, um, you could look internally, you could say, okay, are there opportunities here where I'm already a credible member, people already know my skill set to transfer departments, essentially, um, and try to take on something new within my own company. Um, you know, maybe it is talking to HR and, and figuring out, you know, what the best path is there. Um, secondarily, I think it's about identifying what that other opportunity is you want to go into. So maybe thinking, okay, I I want to do this specific role. Are there companies that I respect, um, that I've heard of, that I've read about, that my friends work at even, um, where I would like to work there and they happen to have this department or this opportunity? Whether or not there's a job open, I think you can still Um, research those companies and learn what those skill sets are, if if people are already holding that role. Um, And then you can learn from there what skills you can pull so that you can be strong for when those opportunities do open up. Um, So I would just say, you know, if you're willing to look internally, maybe start there. Um, And if there's other opportunities externally, finding companies that you respect that, um, you know, share your values and, um, opportunities that are in line with what it sounds like where you want to shift your passions and learning the skill sets that you might need to make those opportunities come to light. If that answers your questions,
0: Yeah, I totally agree, Katie. Um, there, I did put a link in the Zoom chat for anybody else that's interested in that idea of career pivoting. Um, it's a, I put a link to a, a search of our past uh, chats where you can find information on making that career pivot, learn from other people who have done it. Um, and so that's definitely a resource to check out. Um, in the three minutes we have left, and I wanna say thank you, Susan, for that question. That was great. Um, in the three minutes we have left, let's talk a little bit about Helix um, and some of the open roles that are, that are there currently. Um, so these were the stuff you see on the screen is an, uh, questions that we had asked Katie um, prior to today's session. Um, and so the, the idea of you know, some of the company culture stuff, this is great. Um, I want to be sure that we're able to, you know, if people want to check this out, they can check it out later. So that's awesome. But um, let's talk a little bit about your tips for someone who's interviewing uh, with Helix.
1: Yeah, I I put it here as a takeaway for folks, just in case we ran out of time. But um, I I really do think it's about being honest with yourself and your interviewer about your true skill sets and your passions, right? Because at the end of the day, we want someone who's happy in the role And, you know, it benefits us and you. So, um, you know, sometimes I find that people are trying to force, you know, a square peg into a round hole when really they could say, here are my true talents. And I understand the job description is this. I can do all these things. These things are a challenge, but I'm up for that challenge. And just having that transparency from the beginning, um, like I, I said here, it really can change the idea of a shortcoming into more of an opportunity.
0: No, I think that's that's so great and you're right like kind of looking at that um you know don't don't make something a problem if people don't think that it's a problem instead of you know leading you know you get asked a question like you know uh, do you know how to be a lion tamer and you can say well you know my skills actually lay in other areas and I really prefer to work with elephants or something um yeah exactly. so I, I love that that pivot idea Um, So these are some of the open roles that are available at Helix right now. Are there any jobs on this um, list that you can speak to or that would work um, in in close uh, proximity to your position?
1: Selfish plug, the marketing roles. (laughs) Um, We've recently uh, started growing our marketing team and I'm super excited, especially coming kind of off the heels of COVID, um, the direction we're going and building our team and some of the exciting stuff we're doing with um population health and and life sciences and working with health systems there's there's just so many things that we have ahead of us Um, and specifically in this next year we're just going to be growing and um there's i don't want to give too much away but it's an exciting time to be at helix so i would love to bring more people on our marketing team these roles um kind of speak for themselves but i'm happy if anybody has any questions um feel free to follow up because of time and then Tons of engineering roles, um, always always something in need. Uh, and I, I think you know so impactful at Helix. And, and if you go to the, the link here, there's so many other roles that we're, we're hiring for right now. Again, it's, it's an exciting time for Helix, a lot of growth. Um, and Susanna's emails here. Um, she also has wonderful soft skills. Uh, <laughs> so she's, she's a great resource uh, if you have any additional questions.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Katie. Um, I want to say a huge thank you to the whole Helix team for lending you to us for the afternoon. Um, and absolutely thank you for, for uh, you know, all of the prep work that goes into this, um, as well as taking time out of your day to spend with us. We're so um, we're so happy to have spent the afternoon with you.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. And thanks everybody for the questions. Um, you know, it's, it's a not an expert by any means, as I mentioned, but I think if we all just keep perspective and keep on keeping on and supporting each other, we'll we'll get to where we need to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I also want to highlight for anybody that if you do go through Helix's Power, or sorry, Helix's uh, website instead of um, applying via Power to Fly, totally fine. Just make sure you let them know that you came via Power to Fly. It doesn't affect your salary or your chances at getting the job or anything like that. It's just a great way for us to show that we're bringing great, um, great people to Helix's attention. Um, So we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we share the love uh, with the Power to Fly family. Um, All right, so to close us out for today, I just want to say um, thank you to our great attendees. This was really awesome. I loved all the participation. Um, great uh, great conversations going on in the thread and a lot of people sharing amazing resources. So thank you all for that. Um, I hope you have a lovely Thursday afternoon. Um, if you are taking a long weekend for the holiday, I hope you have a safe and happy uh, weekend and hopefully we'll see people back here um, on Tuesday for more amazing chats with Powerfly. Thanks so much for spending time with us and we can't wait to see you again.
1: Bye everybody. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.
2: Thank you.